Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Not just a couple of things, but do everything without grumbling or arguing. Well, if you just look in the Bible, all you have to think about is the children of Israel. They mastered the art of complaining. Now think about this. For 400 years, they're in slavery. Okay, I get it. There's a reason to complain. But here's what happened just days after they were released from slavery. In the book of Numbers, chapter 14, it says, in, in verse 10, I'll just read these to you. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Have you worked out something with Pharaoh? So that because... Egypt wasn't the proper place. You brought us out here into the wilderness. What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you when we were in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. You shall never see the Egyptians again. In the last verse, in verse 14, he says, The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. The problem is that we don't have a, do a good job of staying silent. We do a great job of complaining. And when we complain, we may complain to Moses. Well, see, there, maybe Moses isn't in your life. He has a different name or she has a different name. And then we end up complaining to the Lord. It's always the same complaint. See, the Israelites, they complain about freedom, not having it. Well, so then just days after they have freedom, now they're complaining about the fact that they're going to be killed out in the wilderness. Well, if you re keep on reading, you'll see that they go through on dry land. Now remember, this is the people who just saw God do 10 miraculous miracles. Now he opens up the water, allows them to pass through on dry land. He allows the water to come back in on the Egyptians and just go in a couple of days later and now they're complaining about not having any food. Now they're asking, why did you bring us out here to die and starve? Then God delivers them food. He gives them manna and he gives them quail. And all of a sudden, now they're complaining that they want variety. Do, do you understand? The children of Israel had the art of complaining down. You know, I don't think it's just the children of Israel. I'm confident that there's some folks in Centralia that have the ability to complain. 
I'm, I'm confident that maybe there's a couple of us here that would be brave and raise our hand and say that, that we've mastered the art of complaining. I think about myself. I, I, I've kind of gotten good at this. Um, it was last November, I think, we were, going, we, we were going to Columbus, Ohio. My wife and one of her good friends was going to run in the hot chocolate 10K, right? The husband stayed back and watched. We just, you know, make sure we keep the car warm. It was a cold day. But what I remember was the hotel we were staying at was incredible. Because as you got off the elevator on the floor that we were staying, they had this vending machine. And this vending machine was free. It said it on there. Thank you for being our guest. And anything in here is free. And so me and the other guy, we pulled it. And sure enough, there it come out. We tried this one. And, and then all of a sudden... Um, over the next couple of hours, we hit that vending machine up a couple of times. And then all I can remember is that one time I'm standing outside of this vending machine and I'm looking at it and I start to complain. Now, what could you possibly complain about a free vending machine? It doesn't have everything. You know, I mean, I really appreciated the Almond Joy, but I was kind of looking for Snickers. I wish this hotel would have a Snickers. Are we much different than that? And what I would ask you is, what in your life do you complain about? Do you complain that you don't have any money? And then when you do have some money, do you find yourself complaining that it's not enough money? And then when you have enough money, do you find that you start complaining about the problems that having money creates? Or maybe you find out that you're complaining that you don't have a job. And then you get a job and you complain about the job and then you want a better job. Or is it that you complain that it's too cold? I know no one's complaining that it's too cold right now, right? But guess what? In August, we're going to complain about something different. What is that? It's too hot. And then all of a sudden we're going to complain and wish we were somewhere else. Or are you complaining because you're not in a relationship? Or if you are in a relationship, are you complaining that you're not in the right relationship? Or do you find yourself complaining that you want to be in a different relationship? Or do we want to get petty? Do you complain that you don't have an iPhone? Or do you complain that you don't have the newest iPhone? Or do you find yourself looking down your nose and complaining that you want an Android? Well, let me tell you this, that the reason why we complain is because we are focused on what we don't have. And the reason why we complain is that we're focused on ourselves. The reason why we complain is we're focused on the cloud. We're not focused on what we do have. We're not focused on God's goodness. We're not focused on the silver lining that goes around that cloud. Just like the children of Israel. All they saw was the cloud. The very cloud that protected them they complained about. And I don't know if you feel like the children of Israel that you're in bondage right now and you're just begging God to get you out of the bondage. But trust me, it's not about the bondage. Because when he gets you out of the bondage, and he will, you'll be complaining about something else. And so what we really need to realize is that if you find that you're complaining a lot, 
you've got two choices. There's two things that you can change. The first is your circumstance. Do something about it. I listed off a bunch of things that maybe or may not be going on in your life. And here's what I would tell you is complaining doesn't change what situation you're in. We have to take action. There are a lot of people that use this time of year to make resolutions, to make commitments, to make promises to themselves, but then they don't do anything. They don't change their circumstance. And guess what's going to happen this time next year? They're going to make the same promise, the same resolution to themselves. So if you can't change your circumstance, then you need to change your perspective. Because you can change that. And how do we change our perspective? Well, if we find that we're complaining all the time, what we change the complaining to is praise. Maybe you just, like Kevin said, you need to, have you thought about taking a little praise break? Because you got the complaining breaks. That's your full-time job. And you need the break to praise God. To praise God for what you have. To praise God for what he's brought into your life. For what he's done for you. What he's doing through you. See, you cannot have complaining thoughts and have praise thoughts at the same time. That doesn't work. It doesn't allow us to do that. Our, our human brains aren't wired like that. Now, you may be telling yourself, I don't know, Pastor Ronnie, there has been some times where I've been complaining, and then all of a sudden I find myself praising. But you'll never be doing it at the same time. Think about this. And Paul in prison in, in the book of Philippians, chapter 2. I'm going to read this. Uh, I've already read 14. If you just go three verses forward, in, in verse 17 it says, Even if... I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. See, if you can't change your circumstance, change your perspective. Change the way you look at it. Change the way you think about it. Change the way you speak about it. And what's interesting is, a lot of times, we ultimately find ourselves complaining to other people, but what we don't realize is how much we've complained in our heart before we ever verbalized it. You know, the Bible tells us, out of the mouth proceeds what's in the heart. So when we find ourselves complaining, that's the heart that we have. Oh, I know, we show up here on Sunday morning and we praise, we sing, we act like everything is good. And we can't wait to get back in our car so that we can turn the complaining back on. You know, we took an hour break from complaining. That should be good enough. But you know what? That is not what God has ordained in your life. Because God wants you to choose to see his presence, his power, his providence in your life. You know, the children of Israel were in bondage for 400 years for a very particular reason. And then when God delivered them, they said, we wish you wouldn't have done that. How do you take that complaining spirit and then adopt one of praise instead of focus on ourself, focus on God. Focus on what God's doing in our lives. 
And then you can say, just like Paul, now remember this. In Philippians, when Paul's speaking, he is chained to a Roman guard. And he's the one chained to a Roman guard that has said, don't complain ever. And so he's got this Roman guard, and he's going to take him everywhere he goes. It's much like house arrest because Paul was a Roman citizen. He got this special treatment. And so instead of putting in the dungeon, he was chained to a guard in a house. And every day this guy showed up, and then when he went home, someone else came in and took his place. So how could Paul, in verse 17, say, even if I'm chained in prison, even if, I'm thankful that if I'm offered up as a drink offering. See, what you may not know about the offerings, but a drink offering looked like this. They would literally bring the drink offering in, and it was usually the blood of one of the sacrifices. And, or it could have been something, one of the other fluids. It may have been wine. It may have been um, a, a water. But then they poured it out. And when they poured it out and it hit what was burning, what happens to that drink offering? And then it's gone. And Paul says, even if my life looks like it was wasted, chained to a Roman centurion, I'll still praise him. And so what I ask you... We started off complaining, and we know that we do this a lot. How do we change to praise? We change to praise by just like Paul saying, even if. Even if I don't have money, I'm going to praise God. Even if I don't have enough, I'm going to praise God. Even if I've got problems because I do have money, I am going to praise God. Even if I don't have the job, I don't have the right job, I don't have the perfect job, even if I'm going to praise God. Why? Because even if it seems like this time of my life is wasted, I know that God's power is working through this. I just don't know what it looks like. Folks, the, the, the Israelites were scared when the, the Egyptians were behind them. They thought they were going to die, but they didn't. And when Moses said, all you have to do is be quiet, what he meant was, you need to shut up. Because all they were doing was complaining. And, I mean, could you imagine Moses walking around, a million people in the wilderness, this big cloud, only thing protecting them from the Egyptian army? And guess what, everybody, I mean, because they're all, hey, hey, Moses, you got a minute? And I'm sure they said, thank you so much for getting us. No, that's not what they were saying. And over and over again. And so now in our lives, even if I'm not in a relationship that I want to be in, I'm going to praise God. Even if I'm in a relationship and we're going through a tough time, I'm going to praise God. Even if I'm thinking bad thoughts about being in a different relationship, even if I don't have the right smart device, even if it's cold outside, even if in August it gets hot outside, 
I'm going to praise him. Why? For the power, for the providence, for what he has brought into our lives. And the problem is we never hang out long enough to see God's blessings come. See, now, now I'm looking at a, a mature audience. And most of us have been through the valleys. And, and the valleys are where you get to know God best. Not up on the mountains. Trust me, I went up on the mountains in Afghanistan. There was no one there. Everybody was down in the valley. Because up on the mountain, it's windy. Up on the mountain, nothing grows. Up on the mountain, it's dangerous to walk. Up on the mountain, you can be seen by everybody. So we have to be willing to change our complaining, the words that come out of our mouth, into praise. And the only way that we can do that is either change the circumstances, get out of it, stop, or recognize that you're in it and thank God for it. Because at one point, he's going to show you a beautiful lesson that you have learned. Or maybe that someone else learned because you went through that. So the first thing is that we need to change how we speak to ourselves. Because complaining seems to be a popular thing. And we need to convert that to praise. And let me give you a, a very real personal example wh where that happened for me. I was in Bible college. Remember that car that broke down in East St. Louis I told you about last week? That same car broke down on me while I'm in Bible college. I don't know if you realize this, but Bible college is not the perfect place. Life doesn't just happen, you know, like you walk and like doves fly by and the music is going and everything in life just happens perfectly. Why? Because you're at Bible college. You walk on streets of gold to and from class. No. Life happens at Bible college. And to a young 17-year-old young man at Bible college away from everybody, my car broke down. And guess what I did? I complained. So, someone knows me. I've only been here two weeks, and you know me. I complained. And, and, and I complained that my car broke down. I complained that I wasn't going to be able to get to my job in three days. I didn't work for another three days. I complained that um, I didn't have enough money to take it to a, a garage to get it fixed. I mean, there was a lot of things I was complaining about. And then I went to a chapel service, and in the chapel service, the guy that was preaching, he said that you need to learn how to thank God even when everything's going wrong. I'm like, who is talking to him? I thought that the only guy that things were going wrong in that chapel of 1,500 people was this guy. But it wasn't, apparently. And, but you know what? I listened to what he said. And, and I started, I said, God, I said, I don't understand why you're doing this to me. Pause. Go back four months earlier when, I mean, it's my first week at Bible college. And I, and I had this conversation with God. I said, God, I said, I want you to put me through the test early and often so that I get the most out of these four years. Yes, I prayed that. Oops. And so God said, thank you, Ronnie. Got a couple things in store. 
And so he, my car breaks down. I'm in that chapel, and he says, thank God for this. And I did. A guy that went to church at the church that the Bible school was at, that I had become an acquaintance with, not friends, an acquaintance, told him my dilemma. He comes out. You know, this is before cell phones. This is before pagers. All right? He comes out and pops the hood, and he does something. He took one wrench, tapped on something, and he said, crank it up, and it started. Now, for about two milliseconds, I thought that is the most brilliant man walking on the planet Earth. And then I realized it wasn't about him. And it really wasn't about me. It was about him. It was about what God, and all God wanted was my heart to change. And so when you're speaking to yourself, the words that you need to change, it starts in the heart. Because you'll never be able to change the complaining to praise if you don't change the heart. Second thing I want to talk to you about is changing what you say to others. Ephesians 4.29 tells us, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Now, if you go into the Greek and you look at this, this is literally talking about rotten or putrid speech. A lot of times when we read unwholesome talk in 2017 and 2018, we think that it means curse words. Oh, that, that's covered. But it means so much more. Has anybody ever bitten into an apple and you didn't see the bruise? You know, an apple's not too bad. You get that, and you pull it, get a knife out, and you cut that piece off, and you keep going to town. But has anybody ever had gotten a banana, and you didn't see the bruise, and you peel this thing, and, and what you see, ooh, this looks good. And then you bite into it, and like the other back, whole backside is rotten. The worst is a peach. I don't know, man. Give me a peach bite into the peach and like the juices you know what I'm talking about right I'm not the only one that this happens to with peaches oh that's just a perfect peach you bite it I mean you've got to have a napkin a bib or something on if you're eating a real peach and you bite into that peach and all the juices come down and you're like oh this had to be manna but have you ever gotten that peach and you bit into it and you didn't see that rotten spot. Because when I do, the, the peach goes from my hand across the room. <laughs> Folks, it's just like that when we speak unwholesome words to other people. See, see, we see the peach. We see the banana. We see the apple. What they taste is that rotten chunk. And you may think to yourself, well, just cut that out and finish the apple. But the problem is they're always eating a peach. And they're going to take those words that you said to them, those unwholesome words, those rotten words, those putrid words, and they're going to throw it out. And see, here's the problem. We're humans. Because I've had a couple bad peaches, but guess what I still eat? Peaches. 
I've had a couple bad bananas more than my share. But guess what I still eat? Bananas. I just learned, look, turn it around. Cut that little piece off. Or just rip it off and eat the rest of it. And I've learned with apples, you don't have to wait until you bite into them to find out they're rotten. It usually shows. The problem, though, when you use words and you speak unwholesome words to somebody, they don't have the luxury to just carve that out. Or they could, but we're humans and we don't. And so instead, we take those words and we throw them as far away. And we don't want to hear those words from that person. Matter of fact, it's not that we don't want to hear those words. Guess what we don't want to hear? We don't want to hear any words from that person. Why? Because what we found out is that when we speak unwholesome words to people, it tears down hope in their life. And what happens is the reason why it tears down hope is because we have a critical spirit. Now, when I say critical spirit, you think constructive criticism. And if you're the one giving constructive criticism... It seems like it's a good thing. It's a noble thing. The problem is the other person, all they hear is what? Criticism. They don't hear the word constructive. And they could care less that you mean well because it cuts them. It hurts them. It's rotten. It's putrid. And they don't want to be anywhere near it. When we speak unwholesome words, when we have a critical spirit, it comes across like we're accusing that person. And, and I think of one person in the Bible that's called the accuser, and that's Satan himself. And folks, we become the instrument of Satan when we speak words that tear down hope, when we speak words that take life from people, when we speak words no matter what the best intent that we speak are, that are rotten and putrid. So what do we do with this? How do we change that? How do we go from tearing down, taking their life, becoming an accuser? Well, just read the rest of the verse. In verse uh, uh, 29, it says, Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And so instead of tearing down hope, we need to learn how to build up hope. See, when we build up hope, that's life-giving words. When we build up hope, we're being helpful with our words. When we give hope, when we build up hope, we're saying words for their benefit. You know how we do that? With the, we use praise. See, we need to learn how to help people see the good thing in the bad, even if. But see, you'll, you'll never learn how to help somebody else see that, that God's in this even if it doesn't look good right now until you're willing in your own personal life to see that God's in it even if it doesn't go well for you. Even if you're praying and the, the prayer is not being answered as quick as you would like it to be. That's what we need to do. So why is it that we build up hope? 
Why? Because 1 Timothy tells us that Jesus is the hope. Titus tells us that he's the blessed hope. In Romans uh, chapter 15 and verse 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Folks, when we get locked into complaining, when we get locked into focusing on ourselves, when we refuse to see God's blessing, we quench the Holy Spirit. We don't understand. We're not able to build or live in hope, the life-giving piece of that. I asked you to open up to two passages. The first one was uh, Proverbs 18. The second one was James chapter 3. I want to read a couple verses starting in verse 9 in James chapter 3. It says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse human beings. Who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. Now, folks, uh, you're probably like me, and for many years, when I saw that, all I thought was four-letter words. But that is not. The Greek word is katara mitha. And what that means is, it's very specific, to curse another person is to condemn them, to accuse them. That's what it means when it tells us not to speak cursing out of the same mouth that praises God. Don't praise God and talk about how great he is and all what he can do and then in the next breath condemn somebody. Remember Proverbs 18? Out of the mouth is the power of life and the power of death. And the question that we have to ask, are we speaking words that are life-taking or are we using a vocabulary that is life-giving you see if it's all about you it's easy to complain if it's all about you it's easy to be critical of somebody else but when Jesus becomes the center of your life when Jesus becomes the center of your story all of a sudden you're able to say even if even if it's cold out there I am glad that God has brought me to Centralia. Even if I don't have the resources that I think I need, I'm going to praise God because I know that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and when I need it, he'll deliver it. When we put Jesus at the center of our lives... Remember, this is the time of year. Take this chance to start over. To make Jesus the center of your life. It's time for a new year. And it's time for a fresh start. And so I want to leave you with a challenge for this week. And the challenge is this, to change your life by changing the words that you use. And here it is very specifically. For the next seven days, I would ask you, change your complaints to praise. And lose your critical words and instead use words that build up hope in those around you. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. If the musicians will come.
you may be here this morning and you realize that you can be characterized by complaining. That you want the power of God to change you and, and, and you don't want to be a victim and spend most of your life complaining, most of your time complaining. If you find that you're in that category, if you would, just raise your hand and allow me to pray for you right now. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just lift up. Lord, you, you've seen our hearts. You've heard our desire. And I would ask you, Lord, to help each of us to change from the words of complaint. Change our heart, Lord, and allow us to put you at the center of our lives. To allow us to praise you. Even if the victory hasn't come. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking that you understand what about praising even if. But it's still, you say, you don't understand, I can't do it right now. But I want to. I want to be able to praise God. I know I'm in the storm. I know I'm in the valley. I just don't know how to praise him right now. It hurts too much. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and allow me just to pray a blessing over you? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you've seen the hearts. And God, I just ask that you would be with those, Lord, that are at, at maybe the lowest point in their life. And God, their desire is to, to praise, but yet complaint comes out of their lips. Lord, I just pray that you would touch them, change their hearts, and allow them to see you for wh who you are and what you've already done. Maybe you're here this morning and, and critical words is something that too often passes through your lips and instead you want to change and be the person that the Bible talks about that gives life giving words if that's you would you just raise your hand very quickly and allow me to pray for you as well God we thank you so much for what you've done for who you are and for what you're doing in our lives God I ask that you would just hear the hearts that have just raised their hands Lord, those that have seen uh, where they've fallen short. And I just ask that you would uh, do something miraculous. Just like at the, the sea where you parted it, Lord, I pray that you would do something miraculous in their lives and show yourself strong and mighty. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.